Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, political history was made in elections across the country this week as LGBT candidates won their races. A new poll in the UK shows gay men have an issue with masculinity. Australia looks poised to legalize same-sex marriage, but there could be a snag. And Robbie Rogers, the first openly gay athlete in one of the big four professional sports, announced his retirement this week. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. History was made this past Tuesday in Virginia as Danica Rome became the nation's first ever openly transgender person to be elected to a state legislature. Even better, her opponent was Robert G. Marshall, who proudly authored Virginia's hideous anti-transgender bathroom bill. He often referred to himself as Virginia's chief homophobe. One thing he won't be calling himself soon is a member of Virginia's House of Delegates. In Seattle, Jenny Durkin won her race to become the city's first openly lesbian mayor and the first woman to hold the office since 1928. Andrea Jenkins was elected to the Minneapolis City Council, making history as the first transgender woman of color elected to public office in the United States. More history was made in Palm Springs as Lisa Middleton became the first transgender person elected to a non-judicial office in California with her election to city council. In addition, by winning her race, that made the Palm Springs City Council 100% LGBTQ. Forward, kids. Forward. In the United Kingdom, a survey of more than 5,000 Attitude magazine readers shows that a surprising 71% of gay men find signs of feminine aspects in other gay men a turnoff. Responding to the question, have you ever thought that effeminate gay men give the gay community a bad image or reputation? A rather sizable 41% responded with yes. The survey also revealed that 41% of bisexual, queer, or gay men have considered themselves less than a man because of their sexuality. Attitude Magazine devoted an entire issue to exploring the gay community's views on the complex topic of masculinity. You can download the issue right now if you go to attitude.co.uk. It's a fascinating look. The government in Scotland has issued an official apology to gay men who were convicted of same-sex activity in the past, and in doing so, the men or their families will finally be able to clear their names. Reuters reports that First Minister Nicola Sturgeon addressed the Scottish Parliament, saying it is only right that we address this historic wrong. She continued by saying, Discriminatory laws, although abolished, continue to have implications for people to this day. The wrong has been committed by the state to them, not by the individuals. I categorically, unequivocally, and wholeheartedly apologize for those laws and for the hurt and the harm they did to so many. 
Watching from the gallery, there were same-sex couples that held hands, openly cried, and applauded. It was only in 1981 that consensual homosexual acts between men aged over 21 were finally decriminalized. Halfway around the world, a new poll shows almost half of Australians believe service providers should have the right to refuse same-sex weddings on the basis of their religious views. The new poll by Lonergan Research found that 49% of those polled believe that service providers should be able to refuse same-sex weddings based on their religious views. Only 35% disagreed with that. 15% were unsure. Liberal supporters of same-sex marriage and conservatives are engaged in a debate about which bill to use to legislate marriage equality in the event of a yes vote winning the day in the recent mail-in survey. Now that the mail-in vote has been completed and we await the results, the Lonergan Research Poll also found that 65% of people in Australia support marriage equality, compared with 27% who oppose and 8% unsure. We'll learn the results of the mail-in survey this coming Wednesday. As many of you may know, I call Las Vegas, Nevada my home. And sadly, there was a terrible tragedy that took place as Wendell Melton was arrested for the shooting murder of his 14-year-old son, Giovanni Melton, after they had an argument about Giovanni's sexual orientation. According to our local NBC affiliate, Wendell, who's 53 years old, shot and killed his son after the dispute this past Thursday. Giovanni's former foster mother, Sonia Jones, said the father once caught Giovanni with his boyfriend and became enraged. She said he hated the fact that his son was gay. I'm sure that inside his mind he would rather have a dead son than a gay son. She added that Giovanni was abused physically and mentally and spiritually for many, many years. According to court records, Giovanni's mother had abandoned her children after a long custody battle. Giovanni lived with his older brother alone in a condo complex. Wendell, his father, had served in the military and recently worked for United Airlines. He had already faced allegations of abusing his sons and faced charges involving illegal firearms. He's been charged with murder, child abuse, and possessing a firearm illegally. Ms. Jones has launched a GoFundMe campaign to help Giovanni's older brother pay for funeral expenses. I'll have the link in my show notes. In sports, LA Galaxy defender Robbie Rogers announced his retirement from professional soccer this week, which means there are currently no openly gay athletes in the big four professional sports in the United States. Rogers broke down that historic closet back in 2013 when he came out and simultaneously retired, thinking he couldn't continue as an openly gay athlete. But just a few months later, Robbie returned to the sport that he loved so much, joining the LA Galaxy, where he has played since 2013. He has a career spanning over 11 years in Major League Soccer, and he's won two MLS Cups, and he represented the U.S. Olympic team in Beijing in 2008. He currently lives in L.A. with his son and his fiancée, TV producer, Greg Berlanti. Here's looking forward to whatever Robbie does next. We know he'll be a success. The past few weeks have seen tons of allegations of sexual misconduct, sexual behavior, and sexual inappropriateness 
about several very famous people, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Alabama Republican Senate candidate Roy Moore, and more, including, going back a year, to the man who became our president, Donald Trump. Well, the subject approached the LGBT community this week as former actor and model Scott Brunton told The Hollywood Reporter that Star Trek star and gay icon George Takei attempted to take advantage of him sexually at the end of a 1981 date. According to Brunton, he had gotten a note to Kay casually in 1981 while he was dating another man. When he broke up with the boyfriend, Takei invited him out on a date, dinner and a play. After the play, the two went back to Takei's place for drinks. According to Brunton, during his second drink, he apparently felt dizzy and had to sit down. When he came to, he apparently passed out, his pants were around his ankles, and Takei was, according to him, trying to get his underwear off. When Brunton said no, Takei asked him to relax. Brunton said no a second time, pushed Takei away, and said he was going to leave. He apparently went out to his car and sat there until he felt well enough to drive home. Takei did not immediately respond to these allegations, but addressed this today in a Saturday morning Facebook post on the subject, where he flatly denies the incident ever occurred. He wrote, Friends, I'm writing to respond to the accusations made by Scott Brunton. I want to assure you all that I'm as shocked and bewildered by these claims as you must feel reading them. The events he describes back in the 1980s simply did not occur, and I do not know why he has claimed them now. I have racked my brain to ask if I remember Mr. Brunton, and I cannot say that I do. But I do take these claims very seriously, and I wanted to provide my response thoughtfully and not out of the moment. Right now, it is a he-said-he-said situation over alleged events nearly 40 years ago. But those that know me understand that non-consensual acts are so antithetical to my values and my practices. The very idea that someone would accuse me of this is quite personally painful. George went on to say that his partner and husband of 30 years, Brad, stands by him and he appreciates the support he's gotten from fans. These are very strange times, no? In a very short span of time, the issue of sexual impropriety and multiple stories have rocketed to an apex, it seems. For some, the rumors have swirled around for years. Harvey Weinstein, Donald Trump, Kevin Spacey, Louis C.K., Roman Polanski. That's all been around for a long time. I don't recall having ever heard a rumor or allegation like this regarding George Takei. So that leaves us only one accuser with George Takei. But what is the standard of proof for us as an audience to believe? Are we not going to believe if there's only one victim or alleged victim? Do we need multiple victims? And clearly we wouldn't view all of these different variations of misconduct the same way. If someone committed rape or is accused of rape, how do we view that? What if it was merely inappropriate touching? Or, in the case of Louis C.K., what if there was no touching at all, but just the misbehavior of pulling out your penis and masturbating in front of someone? Additionally, there are various laws and punishments for these kinds of crimes as you go from state to state. 
And we look at these kinds of things very differently. For example, Michael Jackson had multiple credible reports of sexual abuse of minors. He settled for millions on this topic, and yet his name is thrown around as a music icon today. R. Kelly works steadily, despite the rumors and allegations against him. Woody Allen is reviled by many on the left and the right, yet he still makes films that attract A-list participation. But he was alleged to have sexually molested his own six-year-old daughter. And then there's Bill Cosby. Don't get me into that. Roman Polanski continues to make Oscar-honored films, but he even copped to a plea of having sex with the 13-year-old before fleeing the country. I'm not sure how we deal with these things. And I think it's a new frontier for all of us because as the audience to this kind of political social theater, I'm not really sure how we should respond. Clearly, every single person is a case-by-case basis. But when you go from, for instance, George and his one accuser from all these years ago, who says he wants nothing from George Takei, to someone like Roy Moore, where in his hometown, the Washington Post sourced 30 different individuals for their recent article about his sexual impropriety. It's a very curious time in the country that we're entering right now. And I'm not sure how I feel about all of these things. I know I don't like it, but I also don't want to judge people. But I also don't want to miss something in case there's something wrong going on that we could maybe address. I'm not quite sure. If you guys have any thoughts, leave your comments in the comments section below. That brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you click the subscribe button on my page on iTunes. And then every time I upload a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you automatically. Also, I constantly see folks asking friends on social media for podcast recommendations, and I love it when people recommend this news magazine podcast. So please do. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I report on the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.